Josiah is preaching a sermon about Josiah. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. The ashram and the carved and the metal images and they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence. And he cut down the incense altars and stood above them. And he broke in pieces the ashram and the carved and the metal images. And he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. In, in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. And then he returned to Jerusalem. Let us pray together. Dear Lord, please give Josiah power and strength to proclaim the truth of your word, and please give the church discernment and understanding leading to greater love and change. Amen. I've stepped on those before and broken them. Um... They're like a hundred dollars. Uh, one second, I left my Bible out there. Somebody have one I could borrow real fast. Oh, thanks. Okay. Well, good morning. Um, I'm excited for this one. This is a um, passage of scripture that has meant a lot to me. Um, it's been a challenge because I was named after this guy. It's a challenge to me. Um, so why don't we, if you're in Second Chronicles, I, I want to ask you to just do something real quick. And it might seem a little bit morbid at first, but I think it's a good exercise for us to do regularly I want you to imagine for a second with me that you are able to see into the future and see your own gravestone sitting there. Just year, years after you're gone, there it is, right? Just imagine that in your mind. Eventually, unless Jesus returns, all of us in this room will have that stone. And if God doesn't come back, you will have that stone there. What do you want yours to say? What do you want your stone to say? You know, when we die, usually people write an epitaph 
It's a short statement to describe the way we lived our life. And it's something to remember us by. What would you want your epitaph to say? If you could see it there. Our story today is really an epitaph. Because it was written after this man lived his life as a way of remembering the kind of life he lived and what he did. But before we get to that, before we get to his, I want you to finish yours in your mind. What, what would you want your stone to say? And, and actually, I'd like to help you. I'd like you to imagine for a second with me that you know what your stone says. Okay, so just, just picture this. I know this is just an exercise, right? Picture in your mind your name. And beneath your name are these words. He spent it all for a kingdom. If you're a lady, it says she spent everything she had for a kingdom. What would your reaction be knowing that that was what your stone said? Now some of you, some of you are like, if you're thinking like I was thinking, uh, I, well, it depends, right, on what that kingdom is that it's talking about there on my gravestone. He spent it all for a kingdom. It kind of depends on what that means. Um, for example, if your gravestone said he spent everything he had on his own kingdom, or she spent everything she had on her kingdom, how about this one? He spent it all on a pretend kingdom, a virtual kingdom. How about this? She gave everything she had for a kingdom that was just out of reach. She never really got what she was looking for. It depends on what the kingdom is, right? Here's why I say all of that. It will come out one day when you and I stand before God that every one of us in this room was living their life for a kingdom. That they were investing what they had in a kingdom. The question is, what kingdom are you living for today? So the story that we're going to read today is about a man who understood that. He understood that he had two, um, sorry, he had the choice, two choices, or more than two, of what he could spend his life on. What he would live for. And he chose, this man chose, to live for a kingdom that actually counts. He chose to live for the kingdom of God. We're going to talk today about a, about a boy, really. Because this story starts when Josiah was how old? Eight years old. So I need, I need some participative help, and I have not asked anybody to help me here. But I, if, do we have any eight-years-old kids in the audience who could help me for a second? Right there? You, can you come up on stage and help me out? Is that Okay. That's awesome. Why don't we give her a hand for coming up? 
Yeah, so could you just stand right there? That's perfect. That's awesome. So let's, are you guys in Second Chronicles chapter 34? All right, so let me start reading in verse 1, the beginning of our story. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. What would that be like if you were, became queen today of America, the whole country? Pretty crazy. I'm sure that Josiah was probably kind of scared. I would be. And it says he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. I need my math people. How old was King Josiah when he died? 39. Do we have any 39-year-olds in the room? You thought you might get out of this. Nope. Any 39-year-olds? 40? 38? There's got to be one. 37? 38? Anybody 37 through 41? I need an example. Oh, Brianna. Would you mind? Give her a hand. <laughs> All right, could you stand up here on my right? When, how old are you? You're not going to tell. She's in that age, Grange. Um, but according to this text, her life is basically over. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we have Josiah begins his reign when he's eight, and he dies a young man of 39. The question is, what did he live for during those 30 years as king? And it says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. That means his whole life, from the time he was eight years old till he was 39, he was walking in one direction. Towards what? Towards God himself. He was walking after God. And then it says, if you, if you jump down to verse 33, I want you to see the end of this story. So listen to this. Listen to this epitaph. And imagine if this was your epitaph. Verse 33. Thus, this is at the end of the first few years of his reign, it says, Josiah removed all of the abominations from the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God and all his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. This man made a whole nation serve God and they did not depart from that the entire time he was king. I, if that was on my gravestone, I would, have, I would have lived. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could all get to the end of our lives and have that kind of a legacy? If our tombstone says someday, he spent it all on a kingdom. And what it means is the kingdom of, of God. A kingdom that is going to last forever and never fade. 
let's just keep reading. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 4, I want a couple more helpers on the stage here. It says in verse 3, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. How old was he? 16. Do I have a 16-year-old in here? Anyone? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Amy Lynn. Come on up, Amy Lynn. You want to scoot down a little bit? She'll stand next to you here. This is where it started. Right? When he was 16, he began to seek after who? The God of his father, David. You know what that's interesting about that? His dad was an evil king. His granddad, an evil king. Actually, Josiah's entire life, Amy Lynn's, <laughs> Josiah's entire life had been lived up until that point, only knowing what it looked like to be underneath an evil empire. His dad was a worshiper of false gods. His grandfather was a worshiper of false gods. They did many evil things. His grandfather reigned, it's, it's 53 or 54 years. And then he died and Josiah's dad takes over and Josiah's dad lives for two years and he's so evil that God just ends it after two years of him being king. And then the kingdom is handed down to eight-year-old Josiah. But at 16 years old, Josiah had something happen to him. He gets to know someone. And his life is not the same. Let's keep reading. Then in the 12th year of his reign, how old would he have been? 20. Do I have a 20-year-old? 20-year-old? Oh, yeah. That's what you get, Gavin, for being my roommate. Why don't you come up here and stand next to me? Now, this part is convicting to me because 20 years old, this is, you're eight years younger than me. When Josiah is 20 years old, he sets out to, let's read it. It says, In the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem, that's a way of describing the whole nation of Israel, of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. What what are these images that it's talking about there? Idols, right? Hunks of metal and stone that we superstitiously believe will give us something. You know, in, in our country, we have our idols, We have things that we turn to instead of to God. How about medicine? How about money? How about fame? How about friends? We have these things that we turn to to give us the things that we feel we need instead of going to God who provides everything we need. And at 20 years old, eight years younger than me, Josiah is willing to take a stand against everything his father had done and his grandfather had done 
even though the entire country was full of evil and wickedness, he was willing to stand up and say, we're done with this. We are changing things. We are removing these idols, and we're going to worship the Lord. That's convicting to me. That's younger than I was when I started to really think about how I could serve God and what that might look like for my life. Could you, you guys can have a seat. Thank you so much for helping. So here's the thing. Josiah got something that I often forget, and probably many of you forget, and, and many people go their whole lives missing this. He understood that there is only one kingdom worth investing my life in. And it wasn't his kingdom. It wasn't the kingdom he was handed, which he could have continued to make all about him. At 16 years old, he realized there's a God who made all of this, who put me in this role. And even though my father and my grandfather, and even though all of the people around me are content with this kingdom, God is inviting me to far more. God wants me to participate with him in building something new. Now, I wanted to get these people up here with me to help you see a point. And I should have, I should have kept them up here. Just imagine that they're still here, okay? You are no different than King Josiah. I mean, you have a different role. You're not a king. But God is calling you to invest in the same kingdom that Josiah invested in. Um, kids here, uh, who's, who's a, a kid here between 8 and 12 years old? Could you guys all like raise your hands? God is calling you guys, just like little Josiah, to invest in his kingdom. And you can live your life like you're a king. Teenagers, raise your hands. Josiah got something when he was 16. That there's one thing in my life that is worth living for, and it is God's kingdom. And you can live for that kingdom. Your culture, your friends, they don't think so. Or they, they would hold you to a very low bar as far as what that might look like for you. But you have the ability to be like Josiah at 16 years old, who says, I'm not going to sit back and accept what everybody has, just live life, have fun. I'm going to take a stand for what is true. And adults here, it's no different for you. Um, you have positions of influence and authority. You have jobs. You have uh, some of you are parents. Now, there are two ways you can live in all of those roles. You can live hesitantly or self-protected or self-focused. Or you can stand for what is right, trust God, 
and get going and start building into his kingdom, the kingdom that's going to last forever. So this is what this story can teach us. Uh, everyone here, no matter what age you are, you, you're, if, if you're already in God's kingdom, that which means what? You have believed in the gospel. What is the gospel? That Jesus lived the life that you couldn't live. He came to do that. God became a man, lived that life. And he lived that life all the way up to the point where he gave that life. 2,000 years ago on a uh, torture device. And he, he died so that you could have all of your sins covered. And if you put your trust in him, in this king, that means that that sin is gone. And it says that now you are what? You're princes and princesses because you're a child of the king. Because you're God's child. And you're in his kingdom. And there's actually a verse in the New Testament that says, um, and I, I'm... Just, just popped in my head, I want to share it. I might misquote it, so I'll try to do my best to make sure that I quote it accurately. But it says, if we died then with Christ, if our sin is paid for, we will also live with him. And if we endure, which means if we're genuine, and we actually are in him, if we endure, we will also reign with him. You see, when we get to the end of our life and we face Jesus, it's going to be, we're going to be facing him as kings and queens. And we are going to take those crowns and give them back to him, who is the king of kings, but we are going to reign with him forever. That's actually what all of this has always been about. Because when God created, do you remember the first thing he told us? When he made man and woman, he says, go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over it with me, is the part that's kind of implied there, right? We were always meant to be kings and queens with Christ, just like Josiah. And the thing is, we can live for that now. We don't have to wait. So if you are in God's kingdom, this is kind of the main point I want you to get today. If you're in God's kingdom, that means you can invest in God's kingdom. That means you, your bank account is open. And as much as you put into that account will be there forever. You can invest in that kingdom but there's an if. Okay, so if you're writing this down, um, if you're in God's kingdom, you can invest in that kingdom if you seek him first in everything. And then that is regardless of your age, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your weaknesses. So let me say that one more time. You can invest in God's kingdom. That's an investment that will never uh, you won't wake up one morning and the stock market crashed and you lost your investment. My parents lost their housing investment on their home. 
and they just moved, and they lost all their profits, right, that they put into that home. You can invest yourself in God's kingdom, which will never fade if you seek him first. Regardless of your age, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your weaknesses. So as we go through these just couple points here, I'll try to do it quickly. I've, I've prayed this week, um, I was praying last night, that you're going to learn from Josiah's life. And I'm, I'm hoping to keep this short and sweet, but, but if you do have any questions, I know there might be someone in here, and, and maybe it's that you're like, I don't know if, if all this stuff about God's kingdom is real. I actually am not, I wouldn't stand up there with you and preach this because I don't sure, I'm not sure I believe it. I mean, if that's where you are, I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, don't stop asking those questions. Because they won't answer themselves unless you really seek, right? Seek God. Seek the answers. Um, maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, um, kind of like me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on fire for God. Um, I'm not really seeking him. I, I can tell for sure my life is not like Josiah's. Um, I'm definitely not having that kind of an impact currently. Well, I just want to say, if, you are, if you're wrestling with any of these questions, that that's why we're here. Um, that's why our church is here. So, so please don't hesitate to ask for help. Andrew and I would love to do that. That's why God put us here. And I'm not saying that we're going to have the answers. We might have some of the answers to some of those questions. I'm not saying that we have all of the answers. I'm saying we would do anything to sit down with you and help you. Because I needed that when I was struggling with doubt in college. I had people do that for me. That's why I'm here. I want to be able to help you through those questions. And, and the thing is, if you look around you right now, just at all the people in this room, I know there are many, many others who would want to do that too. So that's why we're here. So, okay, you guys ready? Let's jump in to that, that little statement and kind of delve into it. What was the first part of it? If you believed in the gospel, then you are already in God's kingdom. And that means that what God is asking for you to do is to invest in his, in his kingdom to invest in his kingdom. So that's what this verse is talking about, if I could read it real quick. That says this. It says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's kind of cool. I didn't actually plan that with the song this morning. Christ is the foundation. Okay? No one can lay another foundation but if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day of the Lord will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built, if what you built during your life survives, you, the builder, will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder 
will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through flames. So what's the point of all of that? We are in God's kingdom. That can't change if you're a child of God. It's secure. It's signed. It's in the book. God's written it down. It's not going to change. You're in the kingdom. But what God is asking you to do is to then do what? Invest in the kingdom. Which is not automatic. Right? But it's not just that he's inviting or he's asking that of you and commanding it. He is commanding it. He's inviting you into it. Because you were made for that. Um, I, it reminds me of a, of a good C.S. Lewis quote. Let me read this. Um, C.S. Lewis quote. Um, I, I, this, this quote really hits different in almost every time I hear it. It's just got something new for me. And it, it says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but far too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So Christians, let's not worry ourselves with mud pie living or sandcastles. God is inviting you into building an, an indestructible, a never-fading, an ever-growing, more beautiful kingdom. He's already laid the foundation, and he's given you the materials, the perfect materials. Who here built, built forts when you were young? Anybody join me in this? Fort building? Yes. Okay, so my forts were generally made out of dead wood and some leaves. Um, or sometimes maybe they were made out of uh, rubber-made tubs and blankets or maybe cardboard boxes. Here's the thing about those forts. None of those forts are standing still today. I know you'd expect more of me. <laughs> But wouldn't it be cool if, if, as a kid, you were able to build a castle-sized, indestructible fort that would always be there for the rest of your life so that you and, and any friends you would ever make, when you're, even when you're 75 years old, could come and hang out at that fort forever. And it would never go away because it was perfectly indestructible. You could nail that thing with an atomic bomb and it would be there, standing. Well, this verse is saying, God has laid a foundation. His name is Jesus. And he has given you the materials to build on that foundation in a way that it won't fade. What are those materials? His love, his grace, his joy, his knowledge and wisdom, his truth. He's given you these things so that you can build on that foundation. 
So when you build, when you do build with those tools, you can be sure, Christian, that fort's going to stand. I think Josiah would probably appreciate the way that God honored him by writing down these things that he did during his life and the way that this was kind of a, just a beautiful epitaph to his life. You know, God did that. God wrote that down. And I'm sure he would be, he would be humbled by that, that those things were written down. But you know what I think has to be way better, not even comparable to that approval from, from Christ? That, that God took his fish sticks and fed a nation. That God took the little that he had to offer and changed a nation. There's no way if Josiah was a godly man that he would take any credit for that. That was all God. But the thing is, God wants to do that through us. He wants us to be used by him to build his kingdom. He's offering that to you. And, and then when, just being in heaven someday and knowing that these people are here, just because God used me in their life, that, that I was part of that. These people who are now my, my fellow soldiers, my fellow friends in the kingdom in heaven are here because God used me to do that, to help them. So here's the the next kind of question. How? How do we do that? How do we invest in God's kingdom? I think, again, that this, this story has, it makes it very simple. What was the one thing that it says Josiah did when he was 16? The one thing that's listed that he tried, that he did, that, that got his heart ready for all the other things he had to do when he was 20. What was the one thing? Yeah, he sought, out, he, he sought after God. Seek God. That's the answer. It's really simple. But it's profound because we don't do it. It says this, and I'm, I'm not saying that none of you do it. I'm, I know some of you do. I'm saying I could definitely seek harder. And I know that most of us in here could probably seek a lot harder. It reminds me of a proverb, too. Proverbs chapter 3, you know where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not, some of you are mouthing it, on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and what will he do? He will direct your paths, right? Don't worry about what idols do I have to take out when I'm 20 or three years from now, right? He'll, he'll direct your path to what he wants you to do to make this kingdom stand. He's got the building plans. He doesn't give them to us until we're ready. All we need to do is trust and not lean on ourselves and acknowledge him in everything, Just seek him. Seek after him. And he will make our paths straight. And he will build his kingdom through us. So, so absolutely, Josiah 
different spot than I am in and different spot than you're in, right? Most of us are not a king of a country, and we can't just snap our fingers and say, we're going to wipe out the, the idols of America. be really cool if we could do that. That's not where we are. That's not the authority God has given us. But God will still direct your path. And God has a different path for you than he had for Josiah. But it's equally, it's equally lasting. You remember the, the passage uh, that Andrew quoted recently when he was preaching and, and talking about John the Baptist? And John the Baptist, no one has lived that is greater than John the Baptist. Remember he said that? But he said, remember he said the least in the kingdom of Christ is greater than John? Because of the, the impact of having the Holy Spirit in our lives? Like, that's what makes the church special and different than Israel. Is God is doing things he never did. He's bringing his truth from a single nation who are, who are forced to do it by law. He's spilling that out into now the whole world is worshiping him, and they're not doing it because their government forces them to, because there's laws, but because they want to in their heart. He's changing the world today in the church. And if you could go to China, if you could go to Mongolia, where the church is exploding underground, but they're dying for their faith, men, women, and children, but they're holding firm, And God is building his kingdom. It's like fire spreading across the country. And that can be us too. If we have the Holy Spirit in us, it's a matter of are we going to seek God and are we going to build for him? Are we going to build with precious stones and gold and silver and things that will not fade? So, Let me just end on this point. It's regardless of your age. It's regardless of your, do you remember what I said earlier? Circumstances. And it's regardless of your weaknesses. How old was Josiah when he started? When he started following Christ? 16. And when he started taking a radical stand that could have easily lost him his life, how old was he? 20. It's not a matter of how old you are. Those of you here who are kids, you can, do, you can build Christ's kingdom. You can do something right now in your life, eight years old, nine years old. You can do something that's going to stay on that foundation. It's going to be part of that fort. It's going to last forever because God is using you to build that. When you share Christ with your friends at school, I remember Scotty Flickinger. He's not in here, right? Sitting down with his cousin and just telling him about Jesus. Take some bravery. That's on that foundation. Someday he's going to get rewarded for that. Something's going to have come from that. God doesn't do things purposelessly. So, So it's regardless of age, um, 
regardless of circumstances, too. Literally, everything in Josiah's life, I want to talk about this for just a second, everything in his life was setting him up for what? Failure, really. Or, or evil. Again, your grandfather and your dad are selfish, tyrannical kings pursuing their own thing. Your whole country has fallen away from serving God, and that's no different than our country, right? Maybe there's a few who still trusted in Christ who were there in Israel at the time. Some, but they're not everywhere. There was a country like ours with leaders like ours, and he's born into that. And they didn't even have most of the word of God at the time. Because it says later when he's like 26 or 7, they find the law the scrolls of the law in a temple. And he says, you know, we need everyone to know this. And so as, as a 27-year-old, he's running out and making sure that everybody has a copy or at least can hear God's word. So everything set him up to not be this kind of man. But it was God at work in him, right? And it was because when he's 16 years old, and I don't know how it happened, if somebody shared about the God of his, fa- his, grand- his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather David, right? Maybe somebody told him about David and the God that David believed in. But when he made that decision to follow God at that age, so it's regardless of circumstances. Um, I know that this is, this is important because there's not a single person here, I, I don't think, who doesn't struggle at times being sucked into what everybody is doing around you, right? What your family is doing or you're just being peer pressured into, right? So maybe it's at, at home or school. Um, what my friends are doing it. Uh, she started it. He started it at home, right, when there's an argument and we're all fighting. And it's like, well, it was his fault. He started it, right? We all do that. We get sucked into the way that the people around us are treating us and are acting. We, we do it too. Um, so the family's anxious, so we're anxious. You know what? God says the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. And he who raised Jesus from the dead will not can, will give life to your mortal body by his spirit living in you. And that's a verse about choosing to follow God and not to, to follow after sin. And it says he will give you life in that area. He will do that. That's a promise backed by every breath you take and every, other, every star in the sky and everything else in creation that's telling you God is alive and he is in control All of that backs this promise that he will give you the strength you need because he said it. The God who made the stars and who's holding your heart, he's the one who will give you that strength. So if I could end on this, stop believing these lies that we tell ourselves. I'm talking to myself here. We need to stop believing these lies that our enemy and our culture and our friends tell us. For example, if you take a stand about that, 
right now, you'll lose those friends. Probably. I mean, you stand up right now, you talk about God, you'll be alone. Or if you take a stand right now, you'll, you'll lose all these friends. You stand up, um, what about your job, right? You take a stand, I'm going to lose my job probably if I talk about Jesus. If you share your faith, you'll be miserable because everybody will start treating you differently. It's not worth it. Don't do it. Don't follow Christ. It's not worth it. How about this one? You're just like your father. You're just like him. Admit it. I mean, stop acting out this charade that you can change and be a different person. I mean, you have the same struggle with temptation or, or anger or coldness of affection towards people because it's just the way that, I mean, it's just who I am. I can't change. Some of you may have had an, an absent father or an abusive father or mother some of you may have had friends who your whole life told you something. Like, I don't know, you... I'm trying to think of a good example. You're stupid. <laughs> you just need to stop thinking for yourself and do what we tell you to do because you're, you're kind of weird when you... So did Josiah. He had a family of, of, of people in his life who were doing the wrong thing, and it was what he was immersed in. But God was able to get him through that and to change his life. So Josiah, as one, I'll say it one more time, his grandfather starts reigning, starts as king when he's 12. This is Josiah's grandfather, 12 years old. And he reigns for 55 years pursuing evil. He dies Josiah's dad, Amon, takes over, and Amon reigns for two more years of it, and then he dies. And that's what Josiah inherits, 57 years. His whole eight-year-old life, plus 41, or 49, I'm sorry. His, his eight-year-old life, plus 49 more years. Basically, most of the people in the country only knew that kind of a king. But God called him, to a different life. And God empowered him for that, just like he can for you. So you don't have to be the product of your family or the product of your friends or the product of your culture because God's power is in you and that power is enough to be different. All right, let me pray. God, I know that I can say these, these words and even do so hypocritically because my heart can be divided too. And often it has been, Lord. I just want to confess that to you that there are so many days when I am just seeking after the stuff and not the giver of, of everything that I have, Lord. I, I just pray that you'd 
help me to just go through as I as I do this, as I share from your word, all these things that are expected of me, Lord, that I wouldn't even do those things without seeking you, asking you what you want me to do, making sure I acknowledge you in every everything, in all my ways. And God, I pray that we would have courage, Lord, that we wouldn't just be ashamed of the way that we've been living, but that we would have courage because you can change any of our stories today, and you can use us to do unthinkable things, not because we have anything to offer, but because you have everything to offer. So I pray, Lord, that as we bring our shabby clothes and our two loaves and five fishes, and we, we lay those before you, God, that, I, that you would use all of that to, to change our culture and our church and our friends and even our families. Lord, I pray that the, the little ones here, the, even the, uh, the kids who are in, in elementary school or, or even younger, would be able to speak of you and stand up for you, even if their parents aren't doing it. And even if their friends at school mock them for it, and, and even, if, even if they're scared to, I just pray that you'd give them that courage. Lord, I just want to pray for our young adults who just have so many temptations, Lord, and distractions, and I, I feel for them because I am one of them. And um, I just pray that you'd keep us from, from lust and from... Um, false ambition that would tell us to live for something else than you, that we could somehow be happy doing that. I just pray that you'd rip all of that down. Just help us to see that, that you're the only one who can give us life. And that when we're serving you, that that is eternal and that that's valuable. And I pray that everybody in this room um, would just be encouraged to take a stand and to pursue you with everything that they have. And I um, just ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, would you stand with me? I'm going to invite the praise team to join me back on stage. We're going to sing the song, I Want to Know You. That's a song that we've been introducing.